You're listening to the Just Japan podcast. Everything you want to know about Japan. Hey everyone, I am your host, Kevin O'Shea, and I want to welcome you to episode number three of the Just Japan podcast. Now, to start off, you may notice that there's something a little bit different with the quality of episode number three as opposed to episode number one and two. That is the sound. I bought myself a new microphone. So from now on, when I am recording episodes of the Just Japan podcast, I will be using my new Blue Snowball USB mic. I picked this mic up off of Amazon.jp, and normally it's actually very expensive in Japan. It's usually about uh, Ichiman Gosenen, which is about... It's 15,000 yen or 16,000 yen, which is actually about $170 Canadian or American. But I actually was able to pick up this model for, I think it was a 56% discount. So I was pretty happy. It's very comparable to the Blue Yeti mic, which I know a lot of podcasters like to use. And this one's pretty popular as well. And I've used it so far to make a few YouTube videos um, answering questions um, that viewers had. And I was quite happy with the sound outcome on both of those videos. So yeah, I'm pretty happy. So I've got a new mic, so we're taking it to the next level. And I'll be using these this mic for my interviews as well. Now I also want to mention that this episode is coming out on Wednesday. And normally, um, what I'm thinking as far as the actual schedule for releasing episodes will either be on Wednesday or Thursday. So midweek, a midweek release schedule as of now. Um, next school year in April, I'm, I'm going to be changing jobs and we'll see when the production schedule, that, that might change as well. So podcasts may come out on the weekends as of April, but we'll see. Um, yeah. So as far as the Just Japan podcast goes, you heard on episode one, I had, I guess, uh, Jim Mullins talking about being a long-term expat in Japan. Episode two, I had Jason Harris talking about living in rural Japan and I have a guest for this episode as well. And normally there will be guests on the Just Japan podcast because I'm going to be talking about such a variety of issues and a lot of them, not issues, I should say topics. And a lot of them, again, like I've mentioned, um, are topics I'm not very well versed in. So I bring in people who are well versed in the topic. So again, normally guests, but sometimes maybe not. So as far as things go in Japan, uh, last Friday and Saturday, there was a very massive snowstorm across much of the country. A lot of snow fell on Japan. Now, I live in Kobe, and I work in Osaka, and I have to admit, it was when I, when I left my apartment in the morning in Kobe to come to school in Osaka, it was raining. And when I got off the train um, in Osaka, it was snowing, and it snowed until after lunch. And it was honestly the most snow I've seen in the almost six years I've been living in Japan. It did accumulate a little bit. Now, that's nothing compared to what people in Tokyo and north of Tokyo got. I've been seeing pictures from places like Yamanashi Prefecture, and Gunma Prefecture, and north of that, and those guys were just buried. Um, I even heard that there was just record snowfalls all around in northern Japan. Nagano had record snowfalls. Now, unfortunately, because of these record snowfalls, apparently, um, they left 12 people dead, uh, and almost 2,000 people injured. A lot of those people falling off of roofs while clearing snow, um, slipping and falling on ice, things like that. To be honest, people... People in, in parts of Japan like Tokyo or Osaka, uh, they're not used to snow. They don't know how to drive in, in, in slushy conditions, snowy conditions. They don't know how to walk in snowy conditions. I guess there's an art to it as a Canadian, I would say. An art to walking and not falling down. Um, 
Yeah, so there we go. So a lot of snow. Um, Kobe, where I live, it was just kind of slushy, really like sleet, basically. So nothing major. So as people were digging their way out of their apartments and things like that, their houses, on, on the weekend, I was frolicking in the sun, in the grass. Sorry, guys. That's just how it is when you live in Kobe, Japan. <laughs> okay, so another big news, too. Um, Yuzuru Hanyu. Uh, won the gold medal in the men's figure skating. So obviously right now we're in the midst of the Sochi Winter Olympics 2014 and uh, he beat Canadian Patrick Chan and it was his Olympic debut and he won the first gold medal for Japan. So of course the people of Japan are very happy. As a Canadian, um, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen Patrick Chan win the gold as opposed to the silver, but he did a great job. And there is a Canadian connection to this. Yuzuru Hanyu actually lives in Toronto in Canada and his coach is the famous... Canadian figure skater, former uh, Canadian figure skater, Brian Orser. Um, and Brian Orser was also Kim Yuna's coach when she won a gold in Vancouver uh, for Korea. Uh, so what else happened in the, the Sochi Olympics? A, a real big story, kind of a, a Cinderella story in a way. Um, Noriaki Kasai won silver in the men's ski jumping event on the weekend. Now he's 41 years old and he's been in seven Olympics. That's right, seven Olympics. His first appearance was in 1992 in Albertville, France, mm. and he, um, it's a night to think about that, 1992, so he's 41 years old, seven Olympics, and uh, it was his second medal. 20 years ago, he won silver, and he won team silver in 19, uh, the 1994 Lillehammer Olympics in Norway, so that's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, he, now, so he's 41, he's been in seven Olympics, he plans on number eight. He says he's going to be going to Pyeongchang in Korea as well, so that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Massive respect. I also want to throw a little shout-out to uh, Mike Clay, who uh, is Apocalypse34 on YouTube. Mike Clay lives in the United States, and he is actually putting together a documentary about heavy metal music in Japan, and the metal scene in Japan, and it's called Rising Steel. And he's put together an Indiegogo project because he needs some more funding to complete his documentary. Looks pretty cool, I have to admit. Um, I'm going to put a link below to his Indiegogo um, project. If you got any extra extra money to contribute, go over there and check it out. Check out the trailer first. Looks like a worthwhile project. Pretty cool. So the link will be below in the show notes. And of course, the show notes will be at BusanKevin.com. So Busan Kevin, go to BusanKevin.com and you can check out the show notes for episode 3. There'll be a link there for the Rising Steel Indiegogo project. Check it out. I think it's definitely something, again, worth looking at. Okay, so let's let's get to the, the nitty-gritty of things. Um, this week's topic, I want to talk about being in the United States military in Japan. Obviously, um, a lot of the people I will be talking to who uh, on the Just Japan podcast have some kind of connection to teaching because that's what I do in Japan and most of the people I know are teachers. But one, one of the beauties of... Uh, doing, you know, the blogging thing or the YouTube thing is that you get to be social online and meet a lot of very interesting people with a lot of diverse backgrounds. And a lot of the people that I will be interviewing on the Just Japan podcast um, or during future episodes are people I have met through the blogosphere. So I will be talking to people who are not teachers, who work in different industries and come from all walks of life. Um, so today um, I'm going to be talking to, like I said, again, a member of the United States military who is living and working in Japan. And 
you know, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but I do get some questions from people um, who are interested in coming to Japan who are members of the U.S. Armed Services and maybe being posted here. Um, so today I'm going to be talking to Andy uh, Smelzer, and Andy Smelzer is a member of the United States Navy, and he is posted in Yokosuka, um, which is a Yokosuka naval base, which is, I think, just outside of Yokohama, which is just outside of Tokyo. And he's been in Japan for almost a year now, but he's had an interest in Japan for quite some time. And he's actually been a YouTuber since 2006. Um, and he's been making videos, he's been video blogging for quite a long time. And again, now, now he's in Japan, and I really enjoy watching his videos on YouTube because it's a very different perspective. It's that of a, someone who's in the U.S. military. And he takes you around, you know, around Japan where he travels, different restaurants, he shows you the different foods he eats. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, so again, uh, Andy is in the U.S. Navy, and we're going to talk to him tonight and find out a little bit about what it's like to be in the American Armed Services here in Japan. Please hang up and try again. Um, so, everybody, uh, this is uh, Just Japan episode number three, the Just Japan podcast, and uh, today we have a very interesting and special guest uh, who's going to talk to you about a very interesting aspect of living in Japan. And we have Andy, or Andy-san, Andy-san, um, as he is on yeah. YouTube uh, today, and What's really interesting about Andy is that often uh, a lot of the people we talk to on this podcast, well, a lot of the people we have, the two people I've talked to previously in episode one and two um, have been <laughs> teachers, and I am a teacher as well. Um, and uh, many of the, the future guests we'll have on will have something to do with the teaching and the education industry. Uh, now, Andy lives in Japan, but he is not in any way involved in the education industry. Um, he is actually part of the United States military. So I'm just going to jump in and... Uh, uh, and, and first of all, thank you, Andy, for joining me tonight. No problem. It's good to be um, here. I, I say today, tonight. I, I guess it all depends on what time you're listening to the show, folks. Now, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to start off by letting Andy introduce himself. So, Andy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and where you live now and what you do in Japan? Sure thing. Um, I've actually been on YouTube since uh, 2006. I'm going to be celebrating my uh, eighth year uh, next month. So, um, That's right. You've been even on YouTube longer than me. Yeah. I've been on since March 1st, and I've been on mm -hmm. since, uh, I think, mid-October of 2006. Right. But yeah. I didn't really start to make videos until September 2008 because I didn't have a camera at the time. I just made the account so I could comment on videos. Okay. Right and occasionally my, my friend would lend me his camera, but it was kind of hit or miss. Okay. So um, I'm originally from a uh, small town in Ohio called Salina. Hmm. And uh, got my start out there. And uh, uh, in 2010, I joined the uh, United States Navy and uh, went from uh, Chicago, Illinois. I was stationed in uh, San Diego for about two years. And then uh, after my last ship, the uh, USS Kurtz, uh, we decommed her in 2013. And uh, after we decommed her, I went back to school uh, okay. to learn a new system. And uh, got stationed out here in uh, Yokosuka, Japan, which is where I'm currently at. It's in the, uh, it's about a half hour, 45 minutes away from uh, Yokohama, so I'm in that general area. Okay. So how how long have you been in Japan now? Uh, at the time of this recording, I've been in for about eight, going on nine months. Okay. So not not very long. Now, but the thing is, uh, now I I know by 
the name of your channel. Right. Uh, you you do have you have had an interest in Japan for some time, haven't you? Yes. Yes. Um, and also a fun fact: uh, the S A N, in addition to it being like an honorific, is also kind of a uh, a weird thing with my name, right? Because my last name begins with an S, and the first two initials of my first name is in it. So S A N. Got it. <laughs> there you go. So cool. fun little thing there. Yeah. So um, let's see. So you've been on uh, YouTube, right? For, for, for quite a while. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just gonna just ask you how how have you or how did you get interested in YouTube, and how did you get started in in vlogging? I know for myself, for example, and I, I mentioned this, um, I think probably on episode one that really the two, the first two vloggers that I, Kurt Bell, who you've uh -huh. actually met, and I've seen the pictures, uh -huh. on Facebook, um, and I'm very envious. Um, you've <laughs> met Kurt, so that's Softy Papa, and uh, Tokyo Kuni, yes. um, who no longer makes videos. I believe he's still, he's still living in Tokyo. Yeah, but, he's still um, in Ikebukuro somewhere. Yeah, somewhere roaming around, lurking about. Um, but those are the first two vloggers that I watched, and those are the first two people who, and I, I started watching YouTube just to learn about Japan because my girl now my, she's now my wife, but at the time my girlfriend was Japanese. I, you know, I, I figured you know I might at some point end up moving to Japan, so let's maybe learn about Japan, and right. uh, I watched them. And at that point, I was before that I used to watch YouTube just to you know check out videos and this and that, but they kind of inspired me to start vlogging. Um, okay. So what what kind of got you into YouTube and what inspired you to start, you know, putting the camera at your own face? Well, uh, we actually follow very similar paths. Um, the original, I originally got into YouTube, like I said, I signed up for an account in 2006 to just leave comments because I didn't have a camera at the time. So the majority of videos I leave comments on were uh, like SXE Phil, uh, uh, Charles so. Trippy, he was starting to do stuff, cool. um, yeah. as, as well as uh, some... OGJ vloggers as well, like uh, Tokyo Kuni and, of course, the late, great Roger Swan. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, he was actually, uh, he lived in uh, Michigan. I have a lot of family out in Michigan, too, so we kind of bonded a little bit over that. And we, uh, sadly, I never got to meet him in person, mm -hmm. but uh, we would always exchange emails back and forth and, and just correspond that way in the constant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for, for those of you who don't know um, Roger Swan, um, you know, if, if you're not, if you, you know, have been following the, 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 the Japan vlogging community for any amount of time, um, he was a, a very well-known, well, well-liked, uh, J-vlogger, so Japan vlogger on YouTube, who was here first as an exchange student, I believe, uh, living in, uh, Tokyo, going to university. Yeah, he was in, uh, I think Shinkanazawa, uh, he was at Keio University, which is oh, okay. in... Re relatively where I live, okay. actually. And he was he was there so, for for a school year, and then he went back to America to Michigan, finished up his degree, and then he got into the JET program, the Japan Exchange for Teaching program. Came back to Japan. Um, mm -hmm. He was living in Iwate Ken, which is kind of like a that's one of the uh, prefectures that was really seriously hit by the the earthquake and tsunami mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, and he tragically suddenly um, passed away at a very young age. Um, so. Um, yeah, he he was only a year younger than I I was. Twenty. So we're only a year we're only a year apart. The time he was maybe so, twenty four or something like that. Twenty three, twenty four, somewhere in there. Really young. Um, yeah. So yeah, so if you if you get onto YouTube, you just search for uh, Iwate Swan. 
Yeah, or just R O D G E R. Roger Swan. Roger Swan. Boom. His, his, you know, he he has so many great videos, and yeah, they're not in the fancy HD or anything well, like that. Before, but before the time, you know. Uh, right. Definitely. People yes. pre HD and 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 yes. <laughs> and maybe some people had HD, but but um, no, he had very he had very genuine videos, very interesting videos, funny videos. He definitely, he was a, he was the kind of vlogger that you could um, you felt a connection with. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so his his family has has luckily left all of his videos up as kind of a memorial, which is one of the mm -hmm. wonderful things about YouTube. Oh yes. Um, but um, yeah, so um, uh, you are um, so okay. So so you started vlogging, and I used to watch right. your videos. I remember when you were on the uh, USS Kurtz. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Before, it was I remember watching some videos when it was decommissioned. So um, so. Let's see. So now you're in Japan. Now I, I, I gotta admit I don't really know too much about the structure of the U.S. military or what okay. jobs are this or that. But if you you are now stationed in Yokosuka, so you're not actually you're not on a ship. You're not stationed on a ship, are you? I I am on a ship. It's just okay. a ship in the Yokosuka area. That a lot of people get that confused because they think you know they think in terms of like you know army and marines where they're stationed in a physical spot. Yeah, yeah, they're, but, they're on a base. Right. But with the Navy, I mean, some people are stationed on the base. They have shore duty commands and stuff like that out here as well. But for me, uh, I'm on a sea command, which is a ship. Okay. So um, originally, like I said, I was on stationed on the USS Kurtz, which is a frigate. Okay. Um, I was stationed there for about eight months. Uh, we did uh, some drug ops in Central America. So we only hit a couple ports, uh, mainly Panama. Uh, we went out to Guatemala a couple times. Uh, we went out to Colombia. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and then we uh, finished up the uh, six-month deployment in uh, Puerto Vallarta in Mexico and uh, head back to San Diego. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, actually, um, that kind of reminds me when it, when it comes to I, – I, I have an uncle who was a career Canadian Navy, and he was in the right. Canadian Navy his entire career, um, retired, and not once was ever on a ship. That's um, amazing. <laughs> he was in signal, signals and intelligence. Okay. So he was in uh, like the listening posts and back in the Cold War era, they, they called it the, the Dew Line. So all of the listening posts that were up in like around uh, through Alaska, northern Canada, listening oh, so to the Soviet bombers came over. Okay, so he's like a like a crypto or something like that. Yeah, exactly. He was crypto. Okay. And, okay. And he ended we up. Have, uh, we have something similar out here too. He ended up going to the Royal Military College and teaching crypto. Yeah, that's nice. exactly what it was. He was codebreaker, um, kind of guy. That's cool. Um, but yeah, it was funny. Um, but like you said, you know, he always said the Navy ways, but he was never on a ship. Kind of ironic. <laughs> that must be nice. <laughs> um, yeah, we never really had any interaction with the uh, the Canadian uh, Navy at all. But I mean, if you get stationed up in like Washington or something like that, they're you mean possibly. Uh, uh, yeah. Or, or like the northern east coast of of, of the states. Right, right. Then again, our navy isn't so big. <laughs> yeah. But um, That's so true. um, so there we go. I'm I'm curious about with regards to the navy. What what drew you to the navy? How did you get yourself um in into this line of work? Well, this is actually a very interesting story, and it does kind of involve Japan in a weird, bizarre way. Okay. So um, back in the early '90s, uh, my cousins they're they're primarily military family, so okay. um. My cousin, he, he's a retired senior chief now, but uh, at the time he was stationed on uh, one of the destroyers out here in Yokosuka. 
and he brought his family out here. And uh, I just remember they would always send me stuff uh, back home, you know, different Japanese things, you know, like chopsticks, a couple bowls, some cups. And one thing that I always remember from that time is they sent me a little Lego boat. And um, I mean, you have a son, right? So yeah. you you got him Legos before. So, mm -hmm. you know, you get like the little pack and it has uh, like a little pamphlet of Legos and certain sets and stuff like that. You, yeah. know, you got like the space set and the pirate set and all that stuff. So, you know, I've been playing with Legos a long time. I was only like five or something like that. But I just remember I'd always see the little pamphlet and it would have like pirates and stuff like that on there. But with this Lego boat, it was all in Japanese. Uh -huh. and, I I, and this, keep in mind, this is pre-internet. So it's not like you just, you know, you know log yeah. on and look at Japanese stuff. You know, it was all encyclopedias, dictionaries, and that little pamphlet from the Lego toy boat. That's all I had. Mm at the time and it was just so interesting and they would always send me stuff send me pictures uh, i remember one time they sent me the different denominations of coins and said you know this is a 50 yen coin this is equivalent to like 50 cents in america and you know so on and so forth i'm like this is so cool nice. you know and it, it's kind of a weird you know, chain of events that led me to the navy because originally i didn't want to be in the navy i didn't i figured that line of work wasn't for me but uh, due to the uh, basically like the U.S. economy collapsing in about late 2000s, you know, 2008, 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was it was very difficult to find a job at that time. Mm. You know, and I'd gone to every place. I've gone to fast food, retail, if anybody tech support. If anybody would have me, you know, I would go to that job. But I'd only be there for a couple months because, you know, they would either not give me enough hours or simply let me go because they didn't have the funds yeah. for something like that and you know eventually push came to shove and uh in june 2012 i enlisted in the military mm. and, and now you're in japan yeah so like 20 years after my cousins were out <laughs> here i'm out here i mean you're you're kind so of I'm, in you're kind of in a um uh, what is is japan considered a uh like a what do they call it oh shit i i'm forgetting my terminology I used to, um, when I lived in Korea, I lived in Korea mm -hmm. for five and a half years, and I used okay. to have the, the AFN. I don't know if they still have that around, the Armed Forces Network? Yes. Okay. Well, it's the Armed Forces Network now. Armed Forces, yeah, I used to watch, that was like the only English TV I got. <laughs> and I, I just remember, yeah, I used to um, watch that and, uh, you know, lots of reruns of Frasier and Friends. I think <laughs> that that was at the time, <laughs> they were like 2002, 2003. Okay. But, um. They always talked about uh, like Korea, for example, being a, a posting of choice. That wasn't what it was called. Posting, but but uh, it's, essentially, it's like one of those posts that people want to go to. Really? <laughs> like Japan. People are like we want to go to Japan. Yes. <laughs> you know? um, well, see, that that's actually a very interesting subject you bring up. It's just um, people wanting to go to outside of the U.S. And granted, there there are people like me who actually wanted to go to Japan and you know, largely had to uh, not really struggle, but just had to kind of claw my way towards it, whereas they're just giving the stuff away. So, you know, it's it's kind of a weird microcosm with, you know, you know, with uh, certain foreigners who they come to Japan and they just don't like it for whatever reason, mm -hmm. and they feel like they're stuck here due to some obligation, you know, maybe they have kids, a wife, they just yeah. can't make it back. Um, 
Well, the militants are kind of like that too. You know, I mean, some people want to get stationed overseas. You know, they get the nice bonus mints, or bonus mints, the, the nice accoutrements, uh, bonuses, getting to not only see another country, but to live in one as well. Uh, but there are some who, you know, it's mostly family. You know, they don't want to be too far away from their family. You know, if, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, it's at most a three-hour time difference. Mm. You know, if if you're living in the states as opposed to Japan, where you know it's about a 13 to 14-hour time difference. Yeah. So you know, you're getting up and they're going to bed, and when you're going to bed, they're getting up, which actually makes it pretty interesting for Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like so, my my that's actually a 13-hour time difference with my family. Oh, nice. So it's you know. Um, it, it, it can be a challenge at times getting a hold of them on Skype and stuff like this. But, you know, that's that, that's a topic that's come up, I think, I, even like I, in episode one, I talked about that with Molly. Um, mm -hmm. um, and I've definitely talked about this in videos before. But yeah, there there are people who are just not meant to be abroad, too. You know, right. there's people who are just, um, and not necessarily to a fault of their own. Mm -hmm. um, I come from a very, very small town in eastern Canada. When I say small town, we're talking like about a thousand people. Oh, wow. So, like, you know, most of these people, most of the people I grew up with and, you know, had never been abroad, obviously, and had never even traveled to another province in Canada. Um, really? So, you know, you get, you get someone like that from a very small area, rural area. They've, they've, they've got really very kind of an insular life. And then you, I guess you throw them somewhere like Japan or Korea or even <laughs> further flung. I mean, again, those are the, the kind of like, the, again, those kind of posts of choice. I mean, they're in Seoul. They're in yeah. Tokyo, Yokohama. Mm -hmm. Like, those are awesome places to be. Like, very modern, modern, modern. Of course. There's there's the hardship posts too. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, but w actually, it leads me to I have to uh, pull up another question here. Um, for you now, I, I've okay. been living abroad for a long time. I've been I've been living abroad. I'm an old dog. I've been living abroad <laughs> since 2002. I, wow. I first came to Korea in 2002. I lived in Korea until 2000. And Seven, went back okay. to Canada for a year, came to Japan, been here since 2008. Um, and I've definitely, there's definitely been aspects of life that have been challenging. No doubt about okay. it, you know. Um, but the, the good does outweigh the bad, which is why yes, I'm still here. Yes, I, I agree. And what, what, I, what I'm curious for you, to ask you, I'm curious about, you know, in your experience, what are some of the challenges, the challenging aspects of life you face since you've come to Japan? Well... I mean, there's there's the obvious ones, you know, the language barrier. But for me, I see the language barrier as something I can overcome. It's not this big impossible goal. It's just, you know, it's a goal. Mm -hmm. it, it can be a problem, but I am a bit ahead of the game as far as other military members have talked to. I mean, you know, <laughs> most of them they only know like sumimasen or konnichiwa or something like that. Unless they're married, unless they have like Japanese wives or something like that, and then they're obviously a little more advanced. You know, there's yeah. several people I know that you know they've married, you know, Japanese nationals, and you know some of them they're Japanese a little better. Maybe they know a couple more phrases. You know, some people can ha they have conversational Japanese. I mean, there's one guy who was in my division. He you know, he's really good. Yeah. But um, it is definitely something that can be overcome, and I'm just making my way bit by bit, piece by piece, you know, just whether it's something as simple as just reading the kanji 
to the different train stations. You know, I know, you know, like Shinagawa, Yokohama, Yokosuka Chuo, uh, the different things like that. Just do something every day, something, even if it's something little, it doesn't have to, you know, it's, uh, what's that old adage? You know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? Oh, I've never heard that before. So, it's yeah. something like that, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, Basically, sense. like, <laughs> like I mean, that, that's how I that's how I feel about the the language barrier. And I'm I I know little bits and pieces and can kind of put things together, but I'm not quite at a conversational level yet. And that's what I'm working myself towards. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only the only way that's going to happen, of course, is just by, you know, like you said, just one bite at a time. Exactly. And, and you know, I've, I've, and to get out there and and, and use it every day. Yes, you can, you know, and and don't be scared. Like I mean, like my my Japanese is still pretty bad. I mean, I, my my grammar is terrible, but I, it doesn't stop <laughs> from yeah. angling it because people seem to understand what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I, yeah, I, I was I'm the same way too. Like I didn't know what the word for trash bag was, so mm -hmm. I just kind of I kind of pieced it together. I figured trash, you know, gumi bag, bukuro. So because I remember ikebukuro, pond yeah. bag. So I'm like, because I was looking for trash bags. I was at a Don Quixote, and I couldn't. They moved everything around. I couldn't for the life of me find them. So I well, just called this little. Don Quixote. <laughs> yeah, they changed yeah. like they changed like every three days. Yeah, those places are like a, a death trap maze. <laughs> but it is a little fun. It is fun, but. Well, they are fun. Like, I just always every time I'm in a Don Quixote, I always think I hope there's not a fire while I'm in here. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely. no way to get out. So I I asked one of the the helper ladies, you know, sumimasen, uh, gumibukuro doko desu ka? You know, just something like that. And I don't even know if that's actually how they say trash bag, but I just kind of pieced it together and she, I found trash bags, so it worked, right? Well, if it worked, <laughs> she got you there, right? Exactly. I mean, that's the point of language for me is communication, just getting your point across. I mean, even if, you know, you don't have the the right phraseology or maybe you're grammar your nuances are a little bad as long as you get your point across i mean yeah yeah exactly works you know well i mean and you, I, you gotta learn the fundamentals right this you right the and, and then and then you work on the nuances after that definitely get the get the vocabulary the basic the verbs and nouns you kind of learn how to kind of tack them together in the basic form and then yeah, yeah. Um, so i'm curious um now here's here's something I wonder about. Uh, I wonder, you know, I lived I lived in Seoul, okay, uh, for a while uh, in the early 2000s, and there was uh, at the time there was what they called Yongsan Main Post. So it was a really big U.S. military base in downtown Seoul, okay, uh, and there was a lot of military around. Usually uh, they were Army, U.S. Army, right. Uh, now, you know, uh, it was always very clear. Now, yeah, I guess it was pretty clear to see like. Now, there's a lot more diversity in, in the foreigner scene, the expat scene in Japan than in Korea. At the time, anyway, okay. when I lived there, you had basically had English teachers and you had soldiers. Nice. It was, it was very clear <laughs> to see who was who, mm -hmm. uh, usually just by the haircut. Yeah, uh, if you're rocking the, sh the short haircut, clean shave. You're in the Navy, so actually I'm looking at your haircut and you would have just looked like a, you would look like like, an, like a teacher, actually. Really? With your hairstyle. Yeah, the soldiers, I remember at the time, much shorter hairstyle, like on the oh. sides. Oh, they had the high tights? Yeah, yeah, high tights, that's it. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm not really a fan of that. You know, I, I still want to look, you know, when I take off the uniform, I want to look like a normal person rather than... It's not that I'm not proud of being in the Navy, it's just 
you know, when I take off the uniform, I want to be Andy, not Pay Officer oh, yeah. Smelser or whoever, you know? Oh, and, and of course, being proud of the Navy is something that you should be. I mean, that's, Definitely. You know. Um, but that can be challenging, though. What I'm wondering is, um, do you feel, well, I don't know, when you were just out and about as Andy, mm -hmm. around in, in, in Japan, um, you know, does it, when you're talking, meeting Japanese people, other foreigners, does, does it come up in, 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 in conversation that you're in the military? And if so, how, how are you treated? Do you feel like you're treated just like any other foreigner? Anything um, different? People, are, are they curious? Are, are some Japanese people a bit standoffish? How does that work? It's, it's hard to say because it depends on where I'm at. I mean, Yokosuka is a military town. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. even if you were walking around, like, if you, even if you were walking around, they'd probably think you were in the military because, hey, you're not Japanese, so you must They're be in the military. Yeah. Yokosuka. yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. That makes so, sense. It's hard for me to say that they treat me differently from other foreigners, especially in Yokosuka, because like 95% of the foreigners out there are either in the military or they work for the military as contractors. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's a very difficult question. Plus, I mean, even if I go out to like Shibuya or uh, Shinjuku or something like that, you know, they don't think, oh, he's military, especially since I don't have the high and tight. I mean, yeah. if I had the high and tight, they would treat me a little differently, but. You know, like I said, at the end of the day, I want to take off the uniform and be Andy rather than, you know. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. Cool, cool. Um, so uh, I'm curious. You, um, you okay, you've mentioned already Shinjuku, Shibuya. Right. You obviously live close to Tokyo. Mm -hmm. So um, in the last episode, episode two, I talked to okay. you about that, that rural life. You know, he lives like, yeah. he lives in a place where he has to get on a, he has to get on a freaking train for hours and hours and hours just to go to, like, say, IMAX Theater or something. He has to go to Hiroshima. I can't uh, do that. Um, so, um, and we talked about how a lot of, like, the YouTubers, probably the majority of YouTubers out there are based in Tokyo, I think. Um, yeah. The newer ones. And I, I don't actually follow many new people. I'm still kind of just following a few of the old dogs. Yeah. Same. Uh, there uh, are a couple of new newbies that I've been following lately. You know, Sandra Nosekai. She's in the Yokohama area. I don't even know who that is. I'll have to check it. Check Sandra Nosekai? She's no. a Swedish, or she's from the Nordic region, we'll say. Oh, okay. But she has, like, blonde hair, and she's of Asian descent. Oh, okay. Wow. So you've probably seen her. <laughs> she's around. Cool, cool. Um, so what, what I'm wondering, um, what are what are some of your favorite things to do in Tokyo? What are some of the places you like to go in Tokyo? Because obviously a lot of the well, people who are listening to the Just Japan podcast um, have a big interest in Tokyo. Yeah. yeah. Itself, a, lot of, a lot of people have such a fascination with Tokyo. So what are some of the things you like to do in Tokyo or where you like to go? Okay, well, the, the, one of the best things I love about Japan is that you don't have to go to the big city. You don't have to go to Tokyo or Kyoto or Osaka. To have fun. I mean, honestly, probably the most fun I've had is just getting on a train, going somewhere, getting off at a random stop, and just walking around. Ah, yeah. So it's. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, like, uh, there's actually a video coming up. Um, uh, do you know your history very well, as far as like maybe like Japanese Western history? Um, well, I, I don't know how well I do know. I, I, I'm familiar with some. I don't. Okay. So, I mean, you, you've heard of uh, Commodore Matthew Perry, right? Oh, of course. Well, Kobe, where I live, was the second city to be opened by Commodore nice. Matthew Perry. Well, um, after Yokohama. 
Yeah. Last weekend, I went to uh, Kurihama, which is only a couple stops away from where I live, and that was the main uh, – that was his first landing point uh, for oh. the black ships. So that's where he signed uh, the Treaty of Kanazawa – or Kanagawa, I think uh, – to open up Japan to Western trade. And there's actually a museum out in Kurihama in a place called Perry Park, okay. which, which has the, a big monument that was erected to commemorate – uh, the landing of Commodore Perry, and it was about like over a hundred years old. And there's yeah. there's like a museum full of like artifacts and uh, different drawings and like ancient newspaper because Japanese had like their own version of newspaper back then, showing off the foreign soldiers and mm. stuff like that. So it's definitely very interesting, and I can't wait to to get it out. Yeah, definitely an interesting cool. read. What's the term? I think I, I believe that's where the term gunboat gunboat diplomacy comes from, right around that time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, here in Kobe, we have a park called Medikin Cohen, American, nice. which is American Park, Medikin Park, and it's park? And, and right and actually it's uh, uh, right by Medikin Cohen downtown, right on the waterfront, is the former United States uh, U.S. consulate, which is nice. this beautiful European style kind of architecture. I've the, heard of that place. Yeah. There's a, it, it took me a second, but I remember it now. Yeah, it's, it's a really gorgeous building. Um, it was the American consulate, I think, from like 1863 to 65. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it's uh, it's a clothing shop, but the building's really well maintained. It's really great. And, uh-huh. and for any of those, and this is going to be something that's coming up in a future episode about geocaching in Japan, there is a nice. geocache hidden <laughs> right outside of the old American embassy. I found it the other day. <laughs> I found it the other day. Um, but, uh, yeah, cool, cool, yeah. Well, so, there we go, a nice historical place. Definitely, um, and it's highly unsung. Like, everybody, when they think of going to Japan, they think of, you know, Tokyo, Shibuya, Shinjuku, you know, maybe going out to, like, Nara, yeah. Neck of the Woods, stuff like that. And that's great. Those are great places. But especially if you're an American, I mean, Canadians and other foreigners would find it interesting too but just to go to such a very historical i mean if it wasn't for commodore perry and stuff like that you know we really wouldn't be here i mean unless you were dutch or something like that but i mean just feeling the, the gravity of such a place is yeah well, is, there's, there's there's that's the thing too like there, there's such amazing history all around japan definitely and to be honest the places where i really want to go where i'm making now, i've been to tokyo a few times or right. I'm aching to go to like Akita. I'm aching mm. to go to like Niigata, like all mm. those places up north where they have like you know the the, the is, it, is it Akita or Niigata where they have the Namahage, Namehage, the the guys who dress up like the devils with the torches and go around oh, yeah. and have the festival. We just had it the other day on the weekend mm. where they're going around like through the snow, like banging on like houses of, of people, like scaring their children and stuff. Like, I don't <laughs> want to see stuff like that. Like that's oh, amazing. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Sapporo is another great place I want to visit too. They recently had their oh, uh, snow festival, and uh, mm-hmm. every year uh, a ship or two from Yokosuka actually goes out there as part of like a uh, kind of like a like a tomodachi kind of deal, you know? Okay. To promote. Uh, uh, inter- I've, never, I've, never, I've never been to Hokkaido. Oh yeah, mm. I, I haven't no. either. But I was kind of mad because I haven't been to. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of mad because I, I didn't get to go, but uh, we got our own version of the, uh, the snow festival out here last week. I guess so. We just had the rain festival here in Kobe. <laughs> oh, yeah? You guys didn't get that, huh? 
Oh my we god, it was, it was terrible. But just 20 kilometers down the road, they got a ton of snow. So, um, well, I'm curious to know, um, just uh, as far as, as as Japan, like where, where have you where have you been to in Japan, uh, and and where do you want to go? Okay, well, like I said, I've only been here a couple months, so mm. you know, I obviously haven't been everywhere. But uh, mostly states like the Yokohama, Tokyo area. I visited uh, the Molly's Kurt Bell a couple times, so I went out to so Shizuoka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> but the last time I went out there, I actually uh, took the wrong train and ended up in Nagoya for like a second. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, this ain't Shizuoka. <laughs> got on like the, I got on like the adjacent train, came back, went to Shizuoka. So I was in Nagoya for just like a second. Uh, well, we might, we might actually, my family might try to get up to uh, up to the Mullies uh, for for Christmas this year. Oh, that'd be interesting. Party. Um, might be. Well, I'll be in Japan for this Christmas. I went to Canada with my son um, last mm-hmm. Christmas, uh, just well a couple months ago. Um, but uh, we'll be we'll be in Japan, so that might be a goal. We might try to get up there for their Christmas party they had. Um, they had, he has every year. Jim has every year. Yeah. Um, I went home for Christmas last year as well. Ah, yeah, yeah. It was bloody cold when I went to Canada. Yeah. But you're from Michigan. It wasn't much warmer in Ohio either. Uh, Ohio. Well, my, 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 family's, my family's originally from Michigan, but uh, I was raised primarily in Ohio, yes. Michigan, Ohio, same weather as Canada, I mean. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold, it's cold, it's cold. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Andy, um, I'm, I think uh, it's, it's probably is kind of time to wrap things up, just looking at the time. Um, okay. So, so my question is, sir, how can people find you online? How can people find you in the world of the interwebs? Well, uh, if you want to get to uh, find me, <laughs> you can go to youtube.com slash andysan, A-N-D-Y-S-A-N. I'm also on Twitter as uh, at the andysan and Instagram as at the andysan. Great. Awesome. So you're that, folks. And I'm going to put all of the show notes, and this will be on BusanKevin.com. So BusanKevin.com for episode number three of Just Japan, the Just Japan podcast. And I'm going to put all of Andy's links there, too. So you can go and check that out for his YouTube, his, his Twitter, his uh, Instagram. And uh, go follow him. Go, go subscribe to his channel. He makes interesting videos about Japan. And even when he wasn't in Japan, his videos are interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All around the world, baby. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us on episode number three of Just Japan. It's been a pleasure, sir. Great. All right, and I would like to thank Andy for joining us on the Just Japan podcast. Really appreciate it. It's always wonderful to have such interesting guests. Um, this is episode three, and again, on the first two episodes, uh, it was really great to, to hear about, again, living as a long-term expat in Japan, living in rural Japan, and now a little bit about being in the United States military in Japan, and more specifically, about Andy himself. So, um, the show notes to today's podcast will be on BusanKevin.com. You go there, you can find out all of Andy's information. You can find the link to his channel. Um, you can go there and click and check that out and subscribe. Um, would really appreciate it if you did that. And, and thank you for, of course, listening to the Just Japan podcast, episode number three. Remember, you can find me on social media at jlandkev. On Twitter, J-L-A-N-D-K-E-V. And I'm there quite frequently. Um, I'm there every day. So you send me a message, I will reply to you. Also, you can check out my Facebook page. The link is actually uh, in the show notes on BusanKevin.com. And, of course, you can find me on YouTube at BusanKevin and at JLankev. 
So I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Just Japan Podcast. Remember, if you have any questions about Japan, you can shoot me an email at busankevin at gmail.com, busankevin at gmail.com, or, you know, just send me, you got a question, send it to me in a tweet, you know, um, DM me on Twitter if you want to, or just post it on my Facebook page. Um, that's always a good way to do it. Or again, as a comment on the blog, on the busankevin.com blog. All right, guys, so thank you so much for listening to another episode of Just Japan, everything you want to know about Japan. Take care, and I'll see you next week.